Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Grindhouse, where we drink coffee and talk about movies. My name is Sean Tatro, and today with my girlfriend and co-host, Leah Diana, we will be winding back the reel to 1979. A reporter finds what appears to be a cover-up of safety hazards at a nuclear power plant in the China Syndrome. Let's get into it. The China Syndrome. It's about people. People who lie. And people faced with the agony of telling the truth. Right. People like Kimberly Wells, a television reporter paid to smile, not to think. A few words about a veterinarian who makes house calls on sick fish. Or is it aquarium calls? Richard Adams, a cameraman who never learned how to play by the rules. Will you get that other room, get that radiation all over that cute little body? Jack Goodell, an engineer who knows too much to tell the truth. In anything that man ever does, there's some element of risk, right? Well, that's why we have what we call defense in depth. And cares too much to lie. No accident. It will start with a tremor in a nuclear power plant. Where it will end will depend on three people. I would say you're probably lucky to be alive. Same for the rest of Southern California. Jane Fonda. Let's face it, you didn't get this job because of your investigative abilities. Kimberly, don't fight it. Jack Lemmon. There was a vibration! Michael Douglas. I don't know that accident is the right word. Accident is the right word! The China Syndrome. The harder they try, the more resistance they meet. They've got their own security man. Do you hear what I'm saying? Do you want me to make it any clearer? The closer they get. No. The more threatening it becomes. No. The China Syndrome. Today, only a handful of people know what it really means. And they're scared. Soon, you will know. The China Syndrome. Spread the word, you dirty cocksuckers. Tell all your grave robbing friends I want them out of the city now! The nightmare of insane murder. From the depths of hell. It's from the angel of death. Only at the Grindhouse. This morning's episode is brought to you by sexism. You didn't get where you are for your smarts, ladies. Know your place. So we went into today's episode completely blind. Very blind. <laughs> we, we chose, we had never seen a trailer. We had never seen 
anything. In fact, I didn't, I never knew this movie existed until I found the VHS while we were out thrifting one day. Mm -hmm. The cover of it intrigued me. It kind of uh, gives me a, a vibe similar to the cover of The Fury, where it's like a little bit ambiguous. It doesn't really tell you much. It just shows our three main characters. I thought it was like by the base of it. I thought that the, that the needle was like a heartbeat and it was going to be an action movie. Because I never even researched what this was. No, honestly, my initial gut feeling when I first looked at this cover was that, oh, this sounds like it's going to be a slightly sci-fi thriller, maybe about a virus or something of that nature. Yeah. And the thing that really uh, grabbed me was the cast, which we'll get into them in a minute. So... I picked it up on a whim, and I figured I'll watch this at some point, and we decided to do it for the podcast, with no intention to be, you know, following up my last pick, which was The Fury, mm-hmm. starring Kirk Douglas, <laughs> and this one having his son. Michael Douglas. So, <clears throat> I'm apologizing in advance. You may hear me coughing, and I might lose my voice by the end of this. Um, unfortunately, two months and ten... Two, two years and ten months, and the Rona finally caught me. But it didn't get Sean. We live in a hundred square foot studio apartment. He's fine. We sleep together. He's fine. I was miserable for, what, three days? And I was put on the actual COVID prescription medication that finally ends today. It's the most disgusting thing. My stomach is in shambles. I feel like crap. Don't get COVID. Holy crap. Don't. Don't get COVID. Wear your masks. Wash your hands. Wash your face. Stay away from people. People are evil. Don't. Don't get this. (laughs) But I'm apologizing in advance. You hear me sneeze. You hear me cough. I, I can't help it. I'm tail end of it so with that being said um i honestly went into this movie thinking it would be a bad 70s movie i was hoping it was a bad 70s movie i had so much fun with the exterminator that i was thinking it would be along kind of the same lines just with a better cast i mean it's got jane fonda michael douglas and jack sorry john lemon who no it is jack lemon Jack Lemon, damn it! His name is John in the thing. Jack Lemon, who, if people might recognize that name, I looked into it. He is grumpy, me- grumpy old men, grumpier old men, and he is one half of the Odd Couple from the sixties and the fifties. I remember. I loved, loved, loved that movie. So, and I'm very surprised I never picked that one for the uh, podcast to watch. But here we are. <laughs> Maybe in the future, but. I really, really like my entire notes are like joke, 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 joke. And then I was like, huh. And I got really fucking into this movie. As did I. But before we get too far into it, yep. we got to talk a little bit about our sponsor. And our sponsor today would be Pete's Coffee. Hello, Pete. It has quickly become our go-to coffee brand, as we've said many times. Mm-hmm. Been trying as many flavors of it as we possibly can, and so far I can't get enough of it. It's definitely starts my morning when I gotta go to work. It's nice to have a little bit of Pete's, a little pump of pumpkin spice, a little Pete's, and I'm good to go for the entire day. Absolutely. Pete's is one of those coffees that boasts a bold flavor with smooth and balanced richness. Um, you can get it in any... Is there a nuclear power plant not that outside? Uh, you can get it in any roast type that you like. Light, medium, dark, 
As with any coffee brand, we always get our coffee in whole bean, but it also comes in ground in K-cups. If you don't want to grind the beans yourself, we prefer to. Yeah. I like that fresh ground coffee flavor. That <sighs> first thing at 6 a.m. when you wake up. Uh, Pete's offers an insane amount of flavors. Uh, just a few to name would be... We tr- uh, we've tried the Major Dickinson's blend, Big Bang, but it also comes in Italian roast, Arabian mocha java, organic French roast, and there are so many more that I can't even name them all. And it is affordable. Let me tell you, it is nice walking around the grocery store when you've got, you know, the big name brands that are tons are there and you have this kind of nice, not smaller company, but it's nice to see the Pete's there and it's affordable. You're not spending 10 or $12 on a bag of coffee. Yeah. I think it's one of the cheaper it ones. Is, and honestly, even before we got this sponsor, we were like, this one is a little cheaper. Let's try it. And we really liked it. And then we ended up getting Pete's as our sponsor and we can't get enough of it. Absolutely can't get enough. No, honestly, I think we need to try a hell of a lot more. Well, I think we're going to go to that big store down the road that has that wall of coffee, and we're just going to get one of each flavor. Honestly, what I'd really like to do eventually is sign up for their subscription plan, which you guys too can sign up for it. If you follow the link down in our show notes, just head on over to Pete'sCoffee.com. You can use promo code NEWSUB30 if you subscribe to one of their subscription plans and get yourself 30% off a new subscription. Now these subscriptions, they allow you to choose different coffee flavors and you can try different ones, you know, explore a whole new world of caffeine. So this podcast, I'm, I'm guesstimating. It's just my guesstimate. (coughs) It's just my guesstimate that this is going to be a long one. So buckle up kids. Um, just to let you know, the plot is quick and pretty basic. It is a thriller film and it keeps you on the edge of your seat for most of it. Usually I'm always scrolling, looking up things, but I had a hard time not paying attention to this one for the first time. Like I was drawn into it like, what's gonna happen? What's happening? So I think before we start talking about it, we should get to the actual back of the box and talk about the film. Absolutely. This is one of the few back of the boxes that don't have any quotes attributed to the film, which I think is kind of interesting. Mm. Generally, you don't see that on a lot of VHS tapes. And yes, we watched this on VHS. It was the best VHS rip we've had. Like, I thought we were watching it on on DVD or Blu-ray. I have to say this was one of the best digital um, conversions we have of VHS movie. Uh, last week's movie, Can't Learn Wait, had the distortion at the top, which is typical. Um, I think The Exterminator had it. I think uh, The Fury had it as well. And we're trying to watch a lot of these VHSs digitally ripped because we love physical content. We love having the films, but let's face it, a lot of these older movies, the film isn't going to last. Film is not meant to last. So we want to preserve the actual physical copy, but be able to watch that actual copy in the future so but this one was pretty good yeah and the the vcr that i've been doing the digital transfers on i believe it has some type of an issue it might need to be cleaned or something because a lot of the vhs rips that i've been doing they tend to have the same type of distortion yeah at the top of the frame so this one surprisingly didn't have it 
Now, question for you. You are going in somewhat alphabetical order from the top of our archive to the bottom. Was this in the seas or was this one of the ones where you're like, oh, I picked this up. I've got a digitally. This one, I did the digital specifically for us doing the podcast. So it wasn't like it was in any order or anything. So maybe the VHS player was like, they need to see this in pure beauty (laughs) because it's that good of a movie. Maybe. But yeah, so there's no there's no quote attributed on the back, which a lot of I think a lot of newer VHSs, so like 2000s, 90s, yeah. they all have like quotes attributed. Even the from, 80s have some quotes on the back of them. Yeah, and it's usually from magazines or from newspapers or some reviewer. This movie is bullshit. Says yeah. the New York Times, <laughs> you know, shit like that. This one it's uh, not having one is something that like a lot of older movies would have so Mm -hmm. like the back of the box would just be the description of the movie and maybe one or two pictures yeah so our description on the back of this box reads a modern nightmare nearly becomes reality in this timely tension-filled story about an incident at a nuclear power plant Jane Fonda stars as Kimberly Wells, an ambitious TV reporter covering a story on energy sources, who is present at the nuclear power plant when a startling accident occurs that nearly causes the meltdown of the reactor. A newsreel cameraman accompanying Wells, Michael Douglas, captures the incident on film but the television station won't air the footage. Though the plant's corporate heads are quick to deny the possibility of any real danger, Jack Goddell, Jack Lemon, the plant's veteran engineer, discovers faulty equipment at the plant. Attempting to tell others about his findings, an attempt is made on his life. In desperation, he forcibly takes control of the power plant and invites the media to hear his testimony. But the corporation is determined to stop him in a taut, and shocking climax. Um, did the back of that box just give the entire plot of the movie away? It absolutely did. <laughs> it tells you every fucking step of this well, movie. Well, folks, that's it for the movie. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you next week. Um, but no, really, that was, except for how it ends. That, that is basically that is beat basically for beat, beat the for beat. entire thing. Holy shit. Man, the 70s is no joke. What did I say when we, we before we started, we were refreshing ourselves with the trailer. And the trailer, beat for beat, gives away the entire film. But at the same time, you gotta watch this film to feel the impact because this, what this film is telling you is still happening now. I mean, I've got a couple of, mm, we'll call them fun facts with really rough quotation marks around them, but the facts of this film are kind of shocking. I agree. So... As we get into the actual film here, as we said, we watched The China Syndrome. It's a 1979 American disaster thriller directed by James Bridges. It was written by Bridges alongside Mike Gray and T.S. Cook. The film stars Jane Fonda, Jack Lemmon, and Michael Douglas, who also produced the film. Really? Absolutely. The film originally released March 16th, 1979. It was made on a budget of $5.9 million and brought in a box office of $51.7 million. So I would say that's quite a fucking success. Yeah, that is a very big success. I'm trying to figure out how much more that made, like, close to four, 400 or 500 times what 
it costs to make the movie. Damn. Yeah. So, how do you want to start this? I'm I'm having trouble. I usually can start with a joke or let's face it, the joke at the top of the episode is really how I felt in the beginning of the film. But by halfway through the so, middle of the film, yeah, no. <laughs> well, so you bring up a good point. So like this this movie it showcases a point in time where women were still held back from advancement in society. Oh god, yeah. So they weren't taken seriously by any means. In fact, there's various mentions throughout this movie about how our protagonist should shouldn't try to reach above the position that she has and how she wasn't hired to investigate. She was hired for her looks. They pretty much say that several times. The The owner of the company, the news company she works for, says it to her face. We didn't hire you for your, uh, for your investigative reporting. And I'm like, and they're saying in the beginning, like, oh, she's hot. Check her out. Like, oh, uh, viewership has gone up 5% since we've added the redhead. And I'm like, damn. And all they do is give her the fluff pieces. She reminds me of Scherbatsky, yeah. but more serious. Yeah, that's a good comparison. Uh, Scherbatsky would be Robin Scherbatsky from the sitcom How I Met Your Mother. If you're listening to this and you don't know that, shame on you. <laughs> now, our protagonist is played by the always lovely Jane Fonda. Jane Spitfire Fonda. Have you looked at Jane Fonda's history? I have. She is an activist herself. She's been arrested several times. This woman is an incredible actress. I think the latest thing she has been doing is Frankie and Grace, or Grace and Frankie. It's a it was a sitcom with uh, Lily Tomlin. Now let me tell you, I want to watch this because it is fucking great. Well, Jane Fonda, it, oddly enough, considering she plays a television news reporter mm. in this film. She actually went on to play the character of Leona Lansing, who was the president and owner of Atlantis Cable News in one of my favorite shows of all time, The Newsroom. Is she really in The Newsroom? Yes, and she is fucking amazing in it. Oh, dude. <laughs> I think the only thing I've ever seen Jane Fonda in is Monster-in-Law. Oh, God. <laughs> Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry, guys. I mean, I'm a woman. I I have to watch really shitty. Oh, my God. I forgot. In 1982, Fonda released her first exercise video, Jane Fonda's Workouts. It's funny you bring that up because so Jane Fonda, when she took this role, she dyed her hair bright red yep. for the film. And she did this because she had noticed that most of the on-camera female newscasters at that time had had red hair hmm. so she kind of called this she's acting out her brenda star fantasy i honestly i will say i love 70s hair <laughs> i i oh my god every time she's in a scene her hair is just big and full and beautiful and long and i'm just like my weak weak thin hair has nothing on this Ugh. During the production of this movie, mm. she broke her ankle on set. Oh, damn. And as a result of this, that meant she could no longer take ballet classes. And because of that, in the years that followed, she took up aerobics. 
which led to her famous home exercise video franchise. You know, next time we go thrifting, I'm looking for Jane, Jane Fonda's workouts. We gotta find all the Jane Fonda workouts. There are 22 videos. Let the games begin. Oh, God. <laughs> um, I am very happy to report that this woman is 85 years old and still fucking kicking. Oh. And she, her, she has so many accolades. Holy shit. She is one hell of an actress. One hell of an actress. Since uh, since we're talking a little bit about the cast here, I think it's uh, a couple things that I think are worth mentioning. Uh, is Jack Lemon went on to say that this film that he signed onto the China Syndrome and waited over a year for filming to begin. Uh, not only did he end up getting a marvelous role but had the satisfaction of being part of a film project that deals with a very dramatic subject and it makes for a very dramatic movie. Honestly, like this is something that this is a subject that really is still affecting people today. I mean, when I was kind of researching a little bit about nuclear accidents, um, I forgot that, you know, we've had so many in our history. I mean, the most recent one was the Fukushima uh, nuclear plant in Japan in 2011, where an earthquake hit and then the tsunami followed and it just decimated that power plant. But the same problems that happened in this movie were happening there. There wasn't enough safety protocols. They said that, you know, if things were followed beat by beat, this wouldn't have happened and it wouldn't have been such a severe meltdown. I mean, the same thing with, you know, Brown's Brown's Ferry, Three Mile Island, Chernobyl. Like, and it still shocks me to this day that nuclear power plants are still being used. With all the research they've done on react, like nuclear chemicals and radioactivity, like radioactive, radioactive material is one of the most deadly things to anything living. Why would you still want to use it? It's because man still believes that it is able to conquer anything. It might be a quick, easy way to get energy, but why take shortcuts? Like, it's what the human race is all about, Lee. Human, humans take too many shortcuts. Sometimes you gotta work harder, not smarter, guys. Like, yes, they say work smarter, not harder, but sometimes you just gotta do it. And I forgot just how tragic things like Fukushima and Three Mile Island and Brown's Ferry and Chernobyl. People are going into Chernobyl. They can go into it now. Chernobyl happened before I was born. Like, Three Mile Island still isn't completely cleaned and deactivated. It won't be deactivated and cleaned until at least 2079. You and I, and most people listening to this, will be dead before something that happened prior to us being born is finished. Like, what the heck? There's a whole game series built around nuclear Fallout. Yeah. And I just spoiled the game title. But Fallout, the entire series, is what happens to the world after nuclear war. Yeah. Um, and... I don't want to go too far from 
talking about the cast. No, no, I, I'm, so, I'm I'm derailing. That's okay. <laughs> um, since we're talking about Jack Lemon, yes. and this kind of feeds into what you what you're talking about with the drama of it all, and uh, something that was I found in the the fun facts about this movie was that the personal side of this film is actually centered around Jack Lemmon's character and I I believe this to be very true Mm. after seeing it now it's there's a lot of focus on him being alone and disregarded without any help to fix the nuclear accident um and it creates more suspense and sadness for the plot yeah it's never mentioned anywhere about how alone Jack actually is because he lives alone at home without a wife or children or any family to look out for him. None of the people that he works with at the plant care enough to help him prevent the nuclear accident in any way. And when he, he was in danger for being... Uh, and when he was in danger of being hurt by the investigators, the character Jack is the main victim in the movie yeah. overall. While everyone else leaves him in isolation and is literally, yeah, and is literally just context, he couldn't be more of a tragic hero, in my opinion. He he kind of starts off in the film as somebody you're like, mm, mm, you give me the ick. He gave me ick vibes. He wasn't bad, but he wasn't good. But by the end of it, you're like, he was faced with the same moral dilemma that. Kim is Kimberly. Yeah, like hugely, and it's like Jesus Christ, go home. And he's faced with this moral dilemma, the same as Kimberly is. Like, do I risk my life for you know the purpose of letting people know? And the whole plot, the whole plot, when it comes to fruition, just pissed me off. <laughs> I yeah, I couldn't agree more. Oh my god. <laughs> But moving on from Jack a little bit here, we almost had a different cameraman in this movie. Who was up for this role? So, originally, Richard Dreyfuss was cast to play the cameraman. But, wow. I honestly, I don't like, I don't like Dreyfuss for that, uh, for that role. No. Uh, I don't think it would have been the same type of character if Dreyfuss had played him. Mm. Um, luckily, he ended up pulling out shortly before filming was about to start and the role went to Michael Douglas who was already producing the film Mm. so he hopped into the role and as the producer of this movie Michael Douglas creatively demanded harsh realism for the film by not having any musical score on the soundtrack except for the Stephen Bishop theme song somewhere in between as a caveat to that all of the music in the film, including that theme, is diegetic, which we talked about this before, means that it comes from normal sources of music within the film. Car radios, barroom, jukeboxes, television commercials, etc. The actual sound of what's happening in the power plant. There's no music. There's no actual score to the film. Oh, shit. It's all diegetic. I didn't even realize that. Neither did I until I thought of, until I read this and I really thought about it. 
it's all the music we hear is just in the background coming from various sources. Huh. Interesting. I think that added so much realism to this movie that honestly would not have been there otherwise. Mm. I try and think about somebody like like a modern example of a movie like this and it'd, the first things that come to mind are like the movies of uh, David Fincher. So things like Zodiac and That's Social Network. really funny because I'm on David Fincher right now. Are you? I'm 100% was like looking at stuff through fucking Michael Douglas and I'm on David Fincher and reading about it right now. It's like it was meant to be. That's creepy. <laughs> but yeah, like honestly, this is the, t- the movie that we watched today was it feels like something David Fincher would have made. I mean, I've not watched as many David Fincher films as I should have. have uh, the only ones that I've ever watched are, and I hope these are right, Seven and Zodiac. Correct. I have never watched anything else. Oh, you I've always wanted out. to see Panic Room because I really like Jodie Foster. And the girl with the dragon tattoo was huge. Huge back in 2011. Which... Honestly, I don't know why I didn't watch it because everybody and their mom was like, you gotta watch this film. It's fucking great. This director's amazing. And I feel like, is David Fincher the crazy one or is that David Lynch? David Lynch is okay. who you're thinking of. Are you confused by the two of them? There's too many Davids out there. Diegetic sound, huh? It's pretty incredible. So another thing I think we should probably mention is what the title means. Yes, and I would like to talk about that. Because I did do a little bit of reading about this, because when I realized what it's about, um, I realized that this is a subject that I kind of, I don't want to say I'm passionate about, but I kind of... You're fascinated by it. Yeah. So let me pull this up. Um, Excuse me. China Syndrome. A a hypothetical sequence of events following a meltdown of a nuclear reactor in which the core melts through its containment structure and deep into the Earth. They have proven that the China Syndrome can't really happen. The radioactive material will hit the Earth and it'll hit the groundwater and disperse faster than it can melt through. Basically what they're saying is this movie was telling you that those rods inside that containment center, because they have to be super cooled constantly with water, if the water evaporates or boils out too fast, those rods would be so hot, it would go through that cement, through the ground, and essentially going to China. It could go through deep earth. That was the theory, yes. It's the theory, but later on, you kind of think about it. The earth's core, the mantle, you have to go through a lot of a lot of earth to get to the earth's core. It's going to super cool or get stuck or never make, I would say, anywhere past, like, a couple hundred feet, honestly. And the radioactive material by then would already be dispersed. So you're not going to get anything that quite far to China, (laughs) but you will have a major effect on the the, the ecologic system of where that meltdown is. Yeah, I mean, it's just pure logic at this point, but to for that to actually be possible 
for the core to melt through literally the entire Earth. Yeah. To the, get to the other side, it would literally defy Newton's law of universal gravitation. Yes. Honestly, yes, those those rods would be being pulled by gravity, but I mean, you can only go so far. Lava can erupt from a volcano, but once it hits the Earth, it's not going back through. No. It's going to find the nearest place to go, and usually it's either completely going over the ground or into water. So one of the things that this movie really intrigued me about, and you mentioned it, but I had kind of started talking about it, is I realized that this movie and Three Mile Island were very close being released and what happened. Yes, this first released March 16th, 1997. And Three Mile Island went nuclear on March 28th, 1979. It's funny because when this released, the executive, the nuclear power executives lambasted this movie as being sheer fiction. And it was, they said it was a character assassination of an entire industry. And 12 days later, Three Mile Island happened, which, you know, this movie was loosely, loosely based off of Brown's Ferry nuclear power plant located on the Tennessee River in Athens, Alabama. Which, if you think about it, how many people really know that there was a nuclear meltdown in Athens, Alabama? Nobody ever brings that one up. No. People know Chernobyl. People know Fukushima because it was hugely broadcasted. Back in the 70s, you didn't really know about this. I know there are a couple other nuclear power plants still in America. I don't know exactly where they are. I'd have to Google and it'd be a whole thing and let's not waste that time. But honestly, the one that everybody goes to is the Chernobyl incident, which left hundreds of thousands of people homeless, people dead. And honestly, that was as close to the China syndrome as we got, because everybody knows about the elephant's foot. Those nuclear rods melted right through the container, but they didn't get past the building. They didn't get into the ground, or at least I don't remember. Take a lot of this with a grain of salt, because it's been a while since I've read up on Chernobyl, but I was really invested when the earthquake happened um, in Japan and the Fukushima plant went because Fukushima plant was around a village with kids and people that just lived their lives and now that entire place is gone. It's cleaned up as much as they could, leveled the soil, they got rid of a lot of that radiated soil, they cleaned it up as best as they could, but no one can live there. Even the ocean around Fukushima is completely ruined. They had to build what they called a frozen wall in the water to contain a lot of that nuclear waste, but the damage is done. Like, no offense, but that area in Japan is fucked. Yeah. Yeah. And what really breaks my heart is do you remember watching Unsolved Mysteries? And there's a whole episode on the ghosts of Fukushima. Yep. And it it, you watch this and it breaks your heart because these are people that were caught up with the tsunami, were caught up with the nuclear disaster, were caught up with just the earthquake. And, I mean, you don't think about the fallout of stuff like this. I mean, what's another major earthquake that you remember? The San Andreas earthquake when yeah. we were kids. 
And that was a disaster because I remember that whole, uh, whole um, highways, whole interse- or intersections of highways were destroyed and people were killed. But I think we were really either I was very young or I don't even know if you were born yet. That was... That was late 80s, early 90s? Yeah, it was somewhere in the 90s, I think. I don't remember specifically. <laughs> San Andreas, the movie. No, 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 no. <laughs> We're not going to talk about that. 1989. That's when it so happened. the year I was born. Yeah, so I was a kid. You were... I don't even think... That was the summer, if I remember. Yeah, so it was probably before. Yeah, but, like, this movie hit kind of hard because... Tragedies like earthquakes and tsunamis happen. It's an act of God. It's an act of nature. I'm not really God. I'm not going to get into my spiritual beliefs here, but it's an act of nature. Like, there's nothing you can do about that. But humans trying to harness nuclear and... Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Radioactive energy. That's something we can control, not by taking it under control, but by choosing not to. So before I get all political and high on my mighty horse, I'm going to step off my soapbox. And I really think we should get into this film. All right. Well, this movie plays out in a much more rapid rate than I personally expected it to. This was boom, 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 like, boom, boom, boom. It moves along Damn. very quickly for a movie that's two hours and something minutes. That was two hours? It, yeah. This movie, it is, it's running time, let's see. Fucking 100, lying. 123 minutes. Dude, it's so. two hours and two minutes. That, this did not feel like a two. No. You watch a movie sometimes, like, you watch Titanic. It's a fucking long movie, James Cameron. Cut it. Avatar. I'm, I'm gonna trash on that man because I think he's garbage. Coming for you, Cameron. Coming for you. Like, you watch these Lord of the Rings. It's an epic film, but it's fucking long as hell. You want to watch the Lord of the Ring trilogy? Buckle up. You got a weekend? <laughs> Depending on what versions you got. But this movie felt great. It started a little slow, but once it picked up the pace, like, it was a blink of an eye. Yeah, and it also feels very much like an early example of the sort of political thrillers that we get today. Yeah. Like, back then, we didn't get a ton of political thrillers, at least not that I can remember. In the 70s? And these days, we get them. They're a dime a dozen. They come out weekly, almost, because politics are hot button now. They've always been hot button, but they're we live in such turbulent times now that 
it's unavoidable. People are going to constantly try to make art out of it. Yeah. Kind of looking for examples of 1970s political thrillers. I mean, um, I'm sure they exist. Uh, most of them star Robert Redford. Just yeah. saying right now. Um, I see the candidate. Um, the Confessions, Sleeping Dogs, Winter Kills. Um, but I'm seeing a lot of the same films. Yeah. Like, there isn't, like a fucking dime a dozen that they are now right. it, it's very much I feel like people didn't want to see these type of movies back then no back then it was more about the entertainment now yeah. it's about sending a message more than anything else and I do have to say that one of the things I've noticed is I enjoy watching these films because it's nice to see that people did care back then yeah. you don't see a lot of that Nowadays, I feel like people care too much for the wrong reasons. And I think that's in fault of having fucking technology in our hands 24-7. Agreed. Somebody sneezed wrong, they're offended, now there's a whole thing. Like, back then, somebody sneezed wrong, it was a local thing, you dealt with it, it was fine. Yeah. Like, every little thing, you're under scrutiny. But this movie feels like... After this came out, I feel like the nuclear, what did they call it? The nuclear, some sort of like NCA or something like that. Like what the NRA, I know it was like NRA or some something I like that. I can't remember wasn't the, the same. acronym. But. but like the company was so hard on like, why are you faulting this technology? Our children need this technology. Guys, we've got electric cars now and everything's fine. <laughs> so something I really want to, I want to talk about, and it brings us right into the start of the movie here. Yeah is that this film is bookended by placing us into a broadcast feed. So we open literally on bars and tone, hearing studio control directors calling steps on a standard news broadcast operation. And this shifts us into our story. We are introduced to our protagonist, Kimberly, Kimberly Wells, this way. We're watching her on a monitor, preparing... To give a report and we're seeing all this through the point of view of her camera operator essentially and she's talking back and forth with uh control before they go live on the air and it ends the same way yeah i think it is in such a beautiful and perfect way to it's bring us in and out of too. this story yeah because essentially what you're witnessing in this movie is a capsulated moment of time where they, this event happened and was swept under the rug. And it is, I think that is the element that grabbed me the most mm. about this movie. So this breakdown, I'm not going to really go scene by scene. I'm kind of going to try and take it event by event because mm. it's we're covering a very broad period of time here where a lot happens. So going scene by scene is going to take us forever. Yeah. So, while visiting the fictional Ventana nuclear power plant outside of Los Angeles, TV reporter Kimberly Wells, her cameraman Richard Adams, and their sound man Hector Salas, hashtag justice for Hector, <laughs> witness the plant going through a turbine trip, or a, which also is accompanied by a corresponding SCRAM, I believe yeah, it was called. Yeah, the acronym was SCRAM. Which is an emergency shutdown. Uh, the shift supervisor, Jack Goddle, notices 
an unusual vibration in his cup of coffee during this event. And in response to this is in response to a gauge indicating high water levels, Godel begins removing water from the core, but the gauge remains high as the operators open more valves to dump water. And one of the other operators notices that the second gauge is saying that there's low water levels. So he goes over to it, he taps the first gauge, and it immediately unsticks and drops, showing low levels. So this sends everybody kind of into a panic. Uh, the crew urgently starts to pump water back in, and they celebrate in relief when it brings the reactor back under control. Now, during this whole event, this small little news crew has been in, I believe it's like a viewing area. Yeah, they call it a gallery. Yeah, it's a, it's a place where, like, executives can stand to, like, look over the proceedings and, like, make sure everything's going right. Mm. But they were on a tour of this facility, and that's, they ha- just happened to be there when this whole thing went down. And during the entire thing, the cameraman, Adams, quietly and secretly filmed everything that was happening. Yeah, because they said, oh, due to security reasons, you can't film. And I was like, but why? In case something like that happens. <laughs> well, guess what? Glad uh, Michael Douglas doesn't <laughs> listen to reason. He did it anyway. Um, Wells's supervisor refuses to report anything that happened. Adams ends up stealing the footage and shows it to experts who conclude that the plant came Paris. I'm going to try that again. Adams steals the footage and shows it to experts who conclude that the plant was perilously close to meltdown, which they refer to as the China syndrome. Yep. So during an inspection of the plant after the fact, before it's brought back online, Godel ends up discovering a puddle of radioactive water that has apparently leaked from one of the pumps in the system. He urgently pushes to delay restarting the plant, but the plant superintendent wants nothing standing in the way of the restart. They're basically willing to cut all costs and sweep everything under the rug because they say multiple times that holding off restarting the plant will, it'll cost millions and millions of dollars while they go through the entire system trying to make sure there's no faults and repair anything that might be needed. But while on the side, they are currently making another power uh, nuclear power plant in Point Break somewhere off the coast. Which at that point I was like, so stop production. Take those millions of dollars that would have been put into the other power plant and fix this one. You are gambling with people's fucking lives. They are, but this was the mentality. This people nothing would stand in the way of progress. This isn't what their mentality was. This is what mental people's mentality is. This mentality yeah. has not changed. It Look really is. Look at the hasn't. climate crisis right now. Like, come on! You're worried about what your children were going to do about power back in the seventies. Uh, it's twenty twenty three. What are your children going to do about I don't know living? We're going to die. That's why we don't have children. <laughs> so we don't have to watch them die. This is why we have cats. They'll die long before us. Right, yeah. girls? Yeah. Well, Godel ends up finding a series of radiographs that 
verify that welds on the pump have been identical in every inspection for in years. X-ray inspections, not just photos, no. X-ray inspections. So basically the contractor who was tasked with inspecting all of the welds throughout this entire facility has just been resubmitting the same exact pictures year after year and his supervisor has been signing off on them because why put in the work if you don't have to? Yeah, why cut corners if it means everybody in the plant would die in a nuclear uh, meltdown and, you know, 50 to 100 miles uh, around the nuclear power plant would, I don't know, be inhospitable. A hostile environment for the next, I don't know, three to four hundred years? Yeah, you know, fuck it. (laughs) Um, It's like living in Rhode Island. Agreed. He brings the evidence to the plant manager who brushes him off as paranoid. The manager states that the new radiographs would cost $20 million to have the process done again and basically just refuses to pay it. Because we're not doing it. No. We're not paying that money. Why? Why should we pay that fine. money when everything's fine? Goddle ends up confronting Royce, the guy who did the inspection. Um, he works for a company called Foster Sullivan. Which is a construction company yeah, that's the, making the power plants. Yeah, they actually built this plant. and Pretty much pre- threatens his life. Tells him, do you, know who, do you know who this company is? Do you know what'll happen to you? And it's like... Are you fucking threatening this man? Bringing evidence of you guys lying? He has evidence that you guys lied. What the fuck? Yeah, and he he plans to to go to the I the this acronym that we can't remember the the nuclear commission with this evidence and have the whole thing shut down. NRA nuclear NRC nuclear regulatory commission. There we go. That's NRC. It. That's funny. It's like literally within the next couple of notes here. Um, But before he can take any further steps, Wells and Adams confront him at his home. And it's this big sequence where he just unloads because he can't he can't keep all this to himself anymore. And these people seem like they want to help. So they ask him to testify at the NRC hearings. He initially is hesitant. He doesn't want to be physically involved, but he's willing to give them the evidence. So essentially they arrange a handoff where he can, he hands it off to what was the kid's name? Neville. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. So he hands it off to their audio guy, Neville, who's going to transport it to the hearing. However, Neville and Goddle have been being followed. And the people following Neville run him off the road, nearly killing him so that they can steal the evidence from him. So Wells and Adams end up calling Goddle when his when their friend doesn't show up for the hearing and they just they beg him to come and testify in person, mm. which he reluctantly agrees to do. He gets in the car and he's heading there when he notices that he's being followed, which there's a whole sequence where he basically tries to avoid them. Um, and he ends up 
racing to the power plant to take refuge because he knows that they can't get in. And he finds that once he's there, that they're trying to bring the reactor back to full power, despite his warnings. Which he did a test and noticed that even bringing it at 110%, it didn't feel right. It didn't sound right. Something was off. And he was like, you can't bring this to full power. So he ends up grabbing the gun off of the security guard that's in the control room and he forces everyone out including his best friend and co-worker Ted Spindler who ha, I wasn't aware oh my god I lost played, my mind it was being played by good old Diabetes himself <laughs> Diabe- Wilford Brimley Diabetes Brimley oh man and uh, he demands that to be interviewed by Wells on live television Plant management agrees to the interview so that they can buy themselves time to get him out of there, to take back over the control room. And before I go too far, because I don't think there's going to be another place where I can interject this, but Wilford Brimley is not the only uh, familiar face that popped up in this movie that I wasn't expecting. So... We also get a performance by James fucking Karen, who I don't know if you remember, but he is the older um, warehouse worker in Return of the Living Dead. The guy who, like, you have the young kid who's just starting, and then James Karen's his, like, supervisor. It's the guy who tells him about the, the bodies in the basement. Was he the plant manager? No. No, he was the... He worked at the news station. He was like... Oh, he was her boss. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I was so goddamn excited to see him in this movie. So while you're going over the synopsis and we get to the end of this, I would like to point out something a little terrifying. Hit me. I decided to look up operating reactors in the United States. There are a lot. But did you know there are two within 50 miles of us? Really? 50. There is one called Millstone Power Station. And this is in Millstone, Connecticut. The other one is Millstone. No, that's not. Hang on. It's not Millstone Power Station. Oh, no, wait. That is Millstone Power Station number two. It's in Waterford. Jesus. It is 50 miles away from us. If that goes nuclear, we will feel the effect here. Rhode Island will be gone. Gone. There are. That'd gotta, be such a bad thing. <laughs> I mean, but you gotta, you gotta see this goddamn map because look at the amount of shit on the East Coast. There's a lot. There's a lot. Like, what? There's like four in Florida? There are like six of them right on top of each other in Wisconsin, near Wisconsin. Like, I didn't know there were still this many operational power plants. Yeah, but if there's this many still in operation, people have to be doing something right. Look, I'm not saying shut them all down right away. If no. nothing's really happened in that long of a time, it means that regulations have changed. You know, you can't cut corners. If you cut corners, people die. Like, it's fine. But that's 
terrifying to know that we are surrounded. There's one in Massachusetts. There's two in Connecticut. Yeah. Obviously, Rhode Island is way too small. Where are you going to fucking put a nuclear power plant here? Nah. <laughs> Who the fuck knows? I mean, you can get rid of Warwick. I mean, it's pretty big of a cesspool around here, so, you know. <laughs> Anyways. I'm going to take that back. But, yeah. I... Kaboom. So, minutes into the news broadcast, the plant technicians deliberately cause a scram. They pull the power on something in the plant and cause a scram. And the whole idea is so that they can distract Godel and retake the control room. A SWAT team forces its way in. The television cable is cut and Godel is shot. Several fucking times. Several times. And before dying, he once again starts to feel that unusual vibration. I can feel it. The resulting scram is brought under control only by the plant's automatic systems. And the plant suffers significant damage as the pump malfunctions. Plant officials try to paint Godel as an emotionally disturbed individual, but they are contradicted by Spindler, who is extremely distraught and he's on live television saying that Godel was not crazy. It would never have taken such drastic steps had there not have been something wrong. Mm. And after this interaction, Wells has to go on and do her report, but she's does so tearfully. And she gets through the broadcast. The news cuts the commercial of microwave ovens because they're microwave because microwaves have long been sensed to use radiation in quotation ah, marks that's good yeah. i didn't think about it that's nice like a cousin of mine doesn't like microwaves because of the whole thing and i understand microwaves are a hot topic i don't like microwaves to be honest because why use a microwave when you can use an oven but you have to wait for the oven blah, 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 not all the bullshit but who's got that kind of time? Yeah, who wants a, who wants convenience over you know heat food? But whatever. <laughs> um, but at the same time, like that made me like really think. I was like cutting to a commercial of microwaves when microwaves were thought of tiny little nuclear things. That felt like the ending was like here's the impact. But guess what? Slap in the face. World doesn't care. And I'm like, God damn, this director was smart. This is a very this is a film that is like shoving a message in your face. And I think it does it in the most elegant way possible. Like it's very driven by the the idea that nuclear energy is a very dangerous thing that we should not be messing with. I see where Okay, science fiction. Science fiction leans heavily on the fact that we need to conquer elements we have not in in order to get to the point of deep space travel, uh, hypersonic speed, time jump, shit like this. Harnessing the energy of radiation, uranium, nuclear power is a step. I don't think the I don't think the Americans race. Never mind. Back up. Excuse me, try not to burp. I don't think the human race at this point in time in 2023 is prepared 
I mean, we do have the Hadron Collider, which basically creates a very tiny, 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 tiny black hole. We have just started to try and understand what the fuck this teeny tiny atom-sized thing really is. Should we be harnessing the power of these very dangerous elements? Should we have been harnessing the power of them back in the 40s, 50s, 60s? Are we more well-equipped to harness them now? Even though, if you think about it, 12 years ago, we had a disaster, you know, not by man's fault, by, by nature fault, but man still was cutting corners back then. I know that the human race wants to advance to the point of, and my brain immediately goes to Event Horizon, um, Star Trek The Next Generation, Star Wars, things like that. We want to conquer the next thing. How about we save our little planet here and now so we don't have to emergency think of building a space station out there or taking over Mars or the moon. Save what we've got. Like, humans waste resources so easily. I mean, look at us. How much trash do we make in one week? More than I'd like. Yeah. How much trash could we make if we took the steps to compost, to recycle properly? We can't really do it in a 100 square foot studio apartment. It's really hard. Yeah. But at the same time, if we now and our children and our children still can take those little steps, maybe they'll be able to harness this power of uranium and radiation and nuclear energy better than we ever could. Let's solve Earth's problems before we go to bigger and better things. Agreed. And I like that this movie has that message where there are activists. The whole scenes with all the activists were like, think of our children. Like, we don't have any more to say, so we're just going to waste your time by standing here with blindfolds and things about our mouth because we don't know what to tell you. Just don't do this. It's a very powerful movie. Now I'm going to follow that up with something funny. Do you know why it is called Scram? S-C-R-M-A. I don't. It is not in an acronym. Um, the word arose in discussion. Dr. Wilson, who was head of the instrumental and controls group, was, ha- was, having, was having with several members of this group. The group had decided to have a big button to push to drive in both the control room rods and the safety rods. What do we label it? What do we do after we punch the big button? Somebody said, scram, get out of here. Thus, it was labeled, okay, we'll call it scram. Mm -hmm. Because when you press the big red button, what do you do? Run. Run. I thought it was an acronym for like safety. No, it is literally scram, get out of here. All right, humans, you have a sense of humor. We get it. (laughs) But if there's a meltdown, you you ain't getting far. No. No. Everybody in that power plant. What what do they say? If a bad guy, if the bad guy's chasing you, you only have to be faster than the slow person behind you. I have a couple of little notes that I wrote. Okay. Now that we've told the synopsis. uh, In the beginning of the movie, Jane Fonda, at the end of her first broadcast, grabs a joint out of the cameraman's hand, takes a big old puff and says, I don't smoke. That was kind of amusing. Uh, Let's see. Uh, James Fonda's character, Kimberly, has a pet turtle. 
which she comes home to and snuggles, feeds him lettuce, and listens to her answering machine in bed with him. It was the cutest fucking thing in the world. And I was like, she holding a stuffed turtle? And then I saw his little flippers move, and I'm like, oh my god, it's a real turtle! That is awesome. Bet you that's actually Jane Fonda's There's turtle. There's a lot of little character things like that in this <laughs> the movie. The characters are so fleshed out, it's so cute. Yeah. Um, Richard, after Kimberly sides with the head of the newscast station, you know, says uh, Richard's upset because she wouldn't fight more. Richard leaves a voice message that says, hey, it's Richard. You really are an asshole, Kimberly. Beep. And I was like, you know what, Michael Douglas? You're great. Good. You're funny. But you will never be Kirk motherfucking panty dropping Douglas. I agree with that statement. But Michael was hot. Did you get the sense that there may have been something in the past between Kimberly and Oh, were you were were you aware of the dripping sexual tension? I think there was something they there. They were soaked. Cause there was a lot of winkies. They never draw attention to it, but there's like the I, it was mostly in the scene where he's just getting her reaction mm. uh, angle for the news broadcast they're doing, and he's he's saying all these like mildly sexual things to her to like just get different reactions. It it, it makes me laugh because Jane Fonda's character, while Jane Fonda is a very strong human per- like human being, her character has a little bit of her sense of like I don't think so. And I fucking love it. Even in the scene where there, she's at the bar near the power plant and she's looking for Richard. And she runs into John. Jack. Damn it! <laughs> Wait, he's Jack and Jack? Yeah, his real name's Jack and he plays Jack. This man didn't know how to play other characters, did he? It's fine. Don't worry about Sorry. it. <laughs> uh, but it, that whole scene was... It was nice. It was very human. They related to each other. Even he was like, don't I know you? He still tried to be like, look, this is a good way to harness energy. If we can figure out how to harness it correctly, it's a great way to do it. But even she's like, but think of the bad things that can happen. And I agree with Jack. There are good reasons to harness nuclear energy. It's better than using fossil fuels. It really is. And let's face it, we're running out of fossil fuels. Like... In what, the last 200 years that we've really started to use them? We're running out of them. So, yes, advancements like this are great, but you can't have companies that cut corners. You can't have employees that'll be just complicit with sweeping things under the rug. You know? Jack had the heart in it. Jack understood. And his last speech where he's like, I've worked here for longer than this plant has been. I know this place inside and out. And there's something wrong. There's something he's just having trouble getting it out. You could feel the passion behind this man saying, this is a good idea. Well, but He also realizes that like, he's trying to explain what's wrong. And it's so technical that most people aren't going to get it. No, but I think if Jack said everything he said and then went... Corners were cut. The welding on the actual containment unit is not proper. We need to shut down and examine it. Just examine it. We found a leak. We went through all of the valves. We checked all of that. Now I want to check the welding because I just want to make sure. Honestly, yes, it would have caused a lot of eruption and people would have been mad, but people would have appreciated it. This man is sitting there going, make sure the whole unit's working. Not just the valves, not just the seals. 
a, a machine is only as good as you build it. Yeah. I work in manufacturing. Like I, my job is to make sure the parts are there for the people to put it together. If you have bad parts, you need to know about it so you don't put it in the machines. If you have bad welding, if you have bad pieces, it's not going to work. You've got to make sure everything is correct. That's why there's safety protocols. And you saw the passion that Jack Lemmon put into this character. Because he was hysterical by the end. Yeah. And he realized the minute he took that security guard's gun, he's like, I'm I'm all in. I don't know what's going to happen to me after this, but if I don't do this, people will die. People will die. The good of the, the what is it? The the good of the few. Oh wait, the good of the many. What is that quote? Is that it? I might be wrong about no, it. It's no, it's not. That's not right. But it's like the the lives of the few out or the live the good of the many outweighs the lives of the few or something like that. The good of the many outweighs the good of the few. Logic of Spock. Yeah. Oh, I went to Spock? All comes around. All comes back to Nimoy. (laughs) May he rest in peace. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Okay, that's it. That's it. Oh. Uh, I think this is a very... It's a very thought-provoking film. It's very interesting. This is almost as bad as Taxi. In different ways. Taxi was very psychologically prompted. This one's more economic and social like problem prompting yeah but it all well in a way but it also i think this movie is a perfect showcase of how flawed the human way of thinking is so like it focuses very heavily on the fact that most of us would rather save our own asses save our own jobs and save an insane amount of money then prioritize preventing certain disaster, millions of deaths, and doing what's right. Come on, nobody wants to be Umbrella Corporation. I mean, some people I think do. <laughs> Especially Umbrella Corporation. But it's... And I think what's even more interesting specifically about this film is like, you put... You have this this situation, and our protagonist is a woman fighting for her place in a male-dominated world. She's being held back by her gender. She's kept from advancing to the position she actually wants, which is to be an investigative reporter. Mm -hmm. And you place her into this, like a character with this ambition, into this situation up against a story that outweighs petty ambition. In the end, she doesn't care about her position. In the end, end. she gets her investigative journalism report. Everybody is proud of the way she handles herself in the end. Yeah. But at what cost? Will she ever be okay? Knowing that she just watched a man get killed for what he believed was the right thing to do. And on that note... It's a very heavy story. (laughs) And this is is one I, I can't... I have to recommend to like everyone yeah like there's no doubt about it we don't even have to answer that question i think people should watch this people who are very into like uh, climate cricket 
the climate crisis, the the energy crisis that's happening now, watch this movie. Definitely. Like, there have been no disastrous accidents in the U.S. in a very long time. But that doesn't mean that the people that are running these plants shouldn't still be held accountable for things like this. Think movies like this should be a testament of now keep on protocol, keep paying attention. If you really want to harness this energy, don't fuck up. And that's what movies are meant to do. Some movies are meant to remind you that humans make fucking mistakes. Make sure they don't happen. I have to say, we finished um, The Midnight Club over the last couple of days, and that was a heavy subject. Holy shit, that was heavy. Sean is just like fucking like... <laughs> and then we go to this heavy subject. And what did I say to you? What, what did I say to you specifically? Let's watch something like fun and happy. No more heavy shit. And then we watch this. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps next time. Hopefully next week is a lighter tale. I don't even remember what I picked for next week. I'm terrified now. Shall we shift into our closing questions? I would like... Uh, we've talked a lot about this film. I would like to shift into the closing question. Uh, did you have any favorites? I had one favorite that made me stupid laugh. There was a commercial on in the background before Jack got the call from Kimberly to get to the um, the trial. It was because we're f- the fresh food place, Taco Bell. And I went... When in the motherfuck have you people ever been fresh food? <laughs> you are diarrhea-inducing garbage. And that's all I will say. But it made me fucking laugh. Ah, the 70s. Oh, boy. What about you? Any favorites? Oh, uh, you actually stole my favorite. Oh, no! Which one did I steal? Oh, it was the, it was the voicemail, wasn't yeah, it? No, Richard's fine. voicemail. Hey, this is Richard. <coughs> you really are an asshole, Kimberly. It just made the two of us just look at each other and go, oh, Michael Douglas. It was so funny. It was fucking beautiful. Uh, Would you make this today? No. This is perfectly in the right place in the 70s when everybody was terrified about nuclear power. This is perfectly what it is. This is one of those ones that's like perfectly positioned. It's about the time it was made and the fact that it literally came out and then was followed up by a nuclear scare. 12 days later. Like 12 days later, Three Mile Island went nuclear. Never. If anything, if anything, I'm going to put this out there. Make a movie about the release of this movie. Oh, wow. Yeah, where, you know, that would be great behind the China Syndrome. Yeah, so or like... The, or the aftermath or something. That would be fucking so amazing. Like you show possibly maybe some of the film, the production, the release, and then the 12 days after when this happens. Interview so, the cast now and how they felt when it was happening. The crew who were cast you are still alive. In like a documentary style, yeah. or you could do it just as like a narrative. Yeah. I think that would be a really great film. I enjoy documentary doc <laughs> I enjoy documentaries and narrative films a lot more now that I'm an adult than just popping in, you know, fucking can't hardly wait and watching it for the 80th time. <laughs> Is it mainstream exploitation or other? I think this at the time was other. I don't think this was quite mainstream, but the cast is. I think this was a movie to sort of like a disaster movie. Like, because everybody likes 
I don't know why some people really enjoy disaster films. Like, they terrify me. But I believe this was an other that turned mainstream. But I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick with other. And if I have to categorize it, it would be thriller disaster. I would personally call it mainstream. Really? Yeah. It may not have been a massive hit in terms of like longevity. Like people don't talk about this movie I've now. Never fucking heard of this before no. today. But I think it's a mainstream film. It probably would have come out as a big release, which I mean, it made a shitload of money, so I assume it did. Mm. Uh, yeah. This is this nothing exploitation. God, if it didn't get a higher score than Nuki, I'd shoot myself. Dude, how did Nuki get the score it got? Listen, I don't One know. of these days, we should have a talk just about Red Letter Media, because lately, that is all that's been on, is <laughs> Red Letter Media in our house. We could. Maybe that could make some good bonus content for... Yeah, if anybody is a Red Letter Media fan out there, um, uh, and, you know, is a subscriber, hint, hint, subscribe... Keep a lookout for our discussion on the boys, or on the buys, as we call them in our house. The buys. The buys. Uh, you're welcome for paying your fucking warehouse rent with the amount of times your shit is on mine and his YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> what can I say? I like to laugh at people being assholes. Uh, I also enjoy <laughs> the seven and a half hour Richard uh, Evans laugh compilation. All right, so I think that brings this discussion on the China Syndrome to an end. Kaboom. But don't go anywhere just yet. Please stay tuned for the coming attractions. Ninety-one. Ninety-one. Never go there. Probably our best worker. But I'm responsible to headquarters. And I'm responsible to my partners in Paris, who are risking their lives and mine. But I hate to suspect her. A lot of German friends. You won't come out with me. I won't tell you anything else. All right, Willie. I lose. No, Carl. You win. Find out who's the head of Section 8. I can't face it. I can't. After three years of misery, to pretend, to cheat, to lie. I know your name isn't Godard, but Montigny. And I know that you've outwitted us for three years. I found out who's the head of Section 8. Who? To this? Certainly not. I'll be waiting! I'm just gonna be up front. I am not looking forward to this one. I love Vivian Lee. She is the greatest actress from the 30s, 40s, and 50s. She is an amazing actress. If everybody, anybody knows what she's done, gone with the wind. She is Katie Scarlett O'Hara. 
But she also did a number of other movies. And this is one of her other movies that I've never heard of. I have not read the synopsis about this. All I know is I purchased it and we misplaced it in the house and it took us months to find it. <laughs> but uh, I'm... To be fair, it's in like a weird double set. So. It's in a double set and the covers that they offer online are nowhere near to what the cover we have of this film is. Oh, yeah. No. So we were like, I don't remember buying this film. I can't find it. One day I came home from work. He was like, found it. It's this one. Didn't even know it. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to watching it because I know... Vivian Lee as Scarlett O'Hara. I know her. That Southern Belle draw, that, you know, oh, uh, I'm, I'll never go hungry again, that famous line. I've also watched A Streetcar Named Desire, which was one of her later works, and I really liked it, but I want to watch her other works. And I believe that this film would definitely be in a grindhouse because it's old and it's not really topical anymore, <coughs> but she is old Hollywood glamour glitz just beautiful and i can't wait to torture you with this one yay <laughs> yeah I've, I've never been uh, much for historical films like this i love historical films Ugh. but who knows maybe i'll find some enjoyment in it but i think we're gonna wrap up this episode now if you want to keep up on everything we're doing follow us on facebook and instagram at grindhouse podcast we're on twitter at grindhouse cast you can find us on discord where you can chat with leah about today's film or any of the films that we previously covered or you can possibly suggest us some films that you think we should cover on the podcast all the links for everything are going to be down in the show notes Listen to us, give us a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your morning fix. If you like what we're doing and you want to show this show some support, you can subscribe to us over on Patreon or directly through Acast, where you can get yourself access to ad-free listening or unlock some fun, exclusive bonus content that we are slowly putting out for our generous supporters. Until next week, I'm Sean. And I'm Leah. Thanks for listening, and please, for the love of God, keep watching.